Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we're back after the holidays to break down the Jets' gutsy win over Calgary, plus our first 2023 look at the NHL trade bait board. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon right, underscore Rewicki back or the podcast after a lengthy break away. Hope everybody had a great holiday season, a great New Year's as well. Kicking 2022 out the door and started off the New Year right hearing Mr. Brightside Blair once again with a couple minutes left. That might be the new victory song because all Sammy Gagne does is score. All he does is get silver sticks and scores big goals. <laughs> what a way for the Jets! They ended they ended the previous year on a high note with basically the Manitoba Moose in the lineup, and they kicked off the new year by beating another Albertan team. A pretty impressive back to back set of wins for the Jets, and everybody's feeling good as we. Uh, Try to get through the first week of January. This is always the tough one here, Tice. CGOB's Tyson Rewicki joining me. Diet started today officially. That's tough. <laughs> I got two hours of sleep last night. I got two hours of sleep all holidays. It felt like that's tough too, but we're we're flying high now. At least we got some the, the good vibes continuing here after that Jets performance. But uh, CGOB's Tyson Rewicki once again with us here. How, uh, how was the last couple of weeks, Tice? How are things going now? Oh, it was nice, nice to have a nice little break for the holidays, but it's it's nice to get back in the saddle. You know what I mean? That's right. Yep, yep. Getting. Fr- I wanted to say like we're back in front of the mic, but nobody really cares, and the mic's <laughs> always on the table here. It didn't move. It's just a little dusty now. Um, but I'm excited. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm to be totally fair, more excited for the game to come in a few days here. Um, obviously the opponent coming to town is going to play a big part in that, but just the fact that there, it sounds like we're going to get legitimate reinforcements on the way and then some big time help coming, uh, up the pipe for the Winnipeg Jets, which they've so desperately needed for, for so long here. But man, oh man, I I said it in the top there, Tice, but this is just another gutsy performance for the club. You go into Edmonton on New Year's Eve, you pick up two points there. You shut out McDavid, you shut out Dreisaitl. 
And you find a way on the back of Connor Hellebuck to beat a pretty desperate team on home ice. Again, with half your club out in the infirmary. And then you back that up with a showing against a team that's been playing even better hockey than, than Edmonton right now in the Calgary Flames, who, you know, notoriously grind you out. And, and the Jets, I don't want to say that. I'm not going to say the Jets took it to them, but they battled right back and stood toe-to-toe with a pretty difficult opponent there and found a way to survive in the last couple of minutes. And now, instead of potentially looking at five, six losses in a row, which is what we were talking about a week or two ago, now it's a few wins in a row. And, hey, with potentially, I don't even want to say the names that are coming back in yet, but potentially some some big-time talent coming back into the lineup, we can start talking about this club going on a run and maybe making a bit of a push for the division crown as opposed to, oh, let's let's hold off and try to get in the top four here. Yeah, and you're getting like the reinforcements we're talking about are very, very high level, very important pieces for this Jets team. And just getting those pieces back. I mean, we've we've seen some really great performances though from some of the guys who have had to step up in, in light of these absences. I mean, Kevin Stenlin has been to me, I think Kevin Stenlin's been dynamite since he's been up with the club. I mean, he's not he's not obviously not gonna be your top six center in the league, but man, he he's providing offense. He's he's hard on the four check. He's been He's been pretty good possession wise too, and I just I'm I've been a big fan of Kevin Stenland's game, and I think it'd be tough to take him out of the lineup. But it, it's almost like the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick is just next man up, next man up, do your job. <laughs> it's awesome. Like it's so it's honestly just fun to see a team, an organization even just completely buy into a system like this. You're so bait on there, where it's. Before it was Stenland, it was Mikey Asimon. Before it was him, it was Jansen Harkins, who had been coming off waivers. Before it was him, it was Janssen Fialbi. Then it was Gustafson. Then it went on and on and on. And it's, it is, I think it was, I'm trying to remember who it was. It might have been Elliot Friedman a few weeks ago that kind of alluded to the point that you made there, Tice, where he said that, you know, the Winnipeg Jets are a system team where it's, this is how we play. And it doesn't matter who we have, but we go out there and we get the job done. And, and this is what we have to do. And we go out there and execute it. And I think the Belichick comparison is an apt one. And it, it, it's funny, too, because what, what really stood out to me in in this game, and and again, just highlights the 180 that's, that's taken place, again, essentially with the same group um, last season to what we're seeing right now, is the gutsy performance throughout the game but specifically after they find a way to take the lead up three, two late. And yeah, maybe you got a couple lucky bounces on, on some point shots that got redirected, all this stuff, yada, 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 but you find a way to get the lead. Can you go out there and protect and preserve the two points that, that you found yourselves in? You, you've been able to take advantage of the situation or go out there and close the deal last year. What would have happened? Might've lost that game in regulation, <laughs> but for sure it was going to OT, right? Like there's no way the Winnipeg Jets of, of 22-21-20 were going we're gonna to close that out against a good Calgary Flames team. But you have a few really show-stopping moments near the end of that game, and, and none of them by the offensive variety, right? It was just pure grit and determination and just working your ass off. You have Morgan Barron down low doing his best George LaRock impression, right? Ragging the puck along the boards there. And he killed off. I mean, he killed off a good 20 seconds holding the puck down low there. And then the Flames iced the puck, right? 
And so you kill off another 10, 15 seconds. And so you have a, a, a big dude like Morgan Barron getting the job done at the other end of the ring. And then you have Connor Hellebuck doing Connor Hellebuck things, making some some outstanding saves all night long, but specifically late in the game, providing a level of, of, of calm and composure inside that blue paint for the Jets. And then to top it all off, you know, the Flames get a couple of okay looks and one final chance with about two, three seconds to go there. And Adam Lowry makes an absolutely monstrous diving block. And you don't even have to have Connor Hellebuck make a save there, right? Like th- those plays just didn't happen last year, two years, three years ago. And they're starting to become commonplace. They're starting to become more and more regular and almost expected here. And and that's, I think, too, why there's a lot of excitement in getting these guys back, right? Because it's not just, oh, hey, we're getting Ehlers and Perfetti and, and so on and so on back in. You know, we, we were treading water before. Let's let's try to, you know, stay above the playoff line here. It's we might have something special here, and, and getting these guys back is gonna get us into that special spot because the baseline has now been set. Look at what this team has been able to do with essentially replacement level players littered throughout their lineup. Now you're getting legitimate impactful NHLers to take the ice for you sometime soon. It, it's it's hard not to get too excited about this. Well, and that's the other, the other thing that's really exciting about that is that this team's playing such a style of playoff hockey, such a gritty style, and over an 82-game season, that could be very taxing on a lot of guys, but a lot of their main guys haven't even been playing. So you're getting a fresh Nikolai Ehlers when he returns, Blake Wheeler coming off, what, what a month-and-a-half hiatus. I mean, those are two guys who probably needed more than anyone else, too, coming in fresh to this team. It's like... It's like making a trade. It's like making a midseason acquisition and getting two really big pieces here. So it's just, I'm so pumped for that Tampa game, man. Like I, I am very pumped for that Tampa game. I know, I know. that Now, the semi-scary thing is it happens in all sports. It happens with pretty much all teams where you get a bunch of injured guys back in the lineup and you, and you expect good things, but the negative almost happens for some reason, right? And, and, and the performance segs off a little bit and, I'll be I'll be intrigued to see how the Jets respond when these guys do get back in. If maybe some performances drop a little bit, and maybe they they pick up a couple losses here and there, because we've seen them in the past before. Again, not just in Winnipeg, but in you know across all other teams where a few guys come back in, doesn't work out right away. Everybody panics. It just takes a while for things to kind of get back into the swing of things. But man, I almost don't care because. <laughs> getting getting a guy like Ehlers potentially back into the lineup and having that jolt of offense and speed and creativity into your lineup, it's 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 gonna be wild. And the fun thing too is playing the who comes in, who comes out game. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't we, we might have to do that for the next episode. I don't even know who does at this point, and that's kind of the good thing about it, is because everybody's playing at, at such a high level right now. Um, but I guess the nice thing that we found out over this recent stretch where the injuries continued to pile on and on is that this club's got a pretty strong amount of fourth-line forwards to maybe low-end third-line guys. Like, there's a lot of NHL depth in this organization. And, you know, we'll talk about the trade deadline and some potential acquisitions and areas to target a little bit later on. Um, but there, there was a long time problem with this team of, I don't know if we got a fourth line and I don't know how we're going to get one. Uh, you know, that's not the issue anymore. We've got, I think 
three fourth lines <laughs> inside Winnipeg right now. It's going to be who comes in and who goes out at, at any given moment. But be very intrigued to see what happens here coming up against Tampa Bay, who comes in, who comes out, and, and how the lineup looks after that. Um, I guess maybe the best part about it all is, you know what? <laughs> if, if you're not ready to go, somebody else is going to be ready to go. So the the expectation, the, the the baseline has been raised to a pretty high bar, and that should keep everybody motivated, especially further down the lineup there. Yeah, no, it's it's exciting times in Winnipeg. And, it's, and I mean, I kind of thought that the Jets should have made a move early in the season, and, you know, the injuries started to pile up and started to think, you know what, maybe they should have made a move a little bit earlier. But, hey, Chevy just keeps on finding some of those diamonds in the rough too. I mean, picking up Carson Kuhlman, who I think has been – a solid addition to this team so far. Nothing groundbreaking or, or anything, but guy works hard. He's been a solid stopgap in that top six these past couple of games. And yeah, like I, this is a team that now that you know this about your organizational depth, you kind of have some leeway in thinking, hey, maybe instead of just adding some tweeners and like bolstering our bottom six, let's let's push the poker chips to the center of the table and let's grab a top top guy and then hey, we can fill the bottom six the way we can. And then then you're just laughing from there. You had a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, let's say. Okay, let's keep all the bullets in the chamber there, Tice. We don't have to, we don't have to waste anything right now. I mean, look, I, I still think the Jets should have made a move. Should have made a move a month ago. Should have made a move a couple of weeks ago. Should have made a move before the season. But, but either way, it's all good. They found a way. <laughs> they found a way. And, uh, yeah, there'll be some big-time decisions to be made uh, near the end of February for sure for the club there. Um, quickly, I do want to get into a few other points before we shift gears to that NHL trade talk. Um, you mentioned one of the guys that stood out to me again and, and really has for a number of games now. Kevin Stenland's freaking good, yeah. right? Like, he was – if you're talking about depth chart, he must have been, like, the 15th or 16th forward, At least, right? Yeah. Like he he was the third or fourth or fifth call up and the and the Jets picked up a couple guys off waivers and it was kind of like all right this is pretty much the last guy that we have that that's had any semblance of, of performing near an NHL level. The dude looks legit. Like I that that's it, it's going to be tough and I don't think every guy near the bottom of the lineup is going to be you know playing every single game down the stretch for the club. I, I think he's got to be a regular moving forward, right? At least for now, yeah. I yeah, agree. He, he's been really, really impressive. And, and hey, cool for him, getting a look on the power play. Sure, it took a 1,000 injuries, but, like, there there must have been a part of him where he's like, like, holy, holy-ish, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm on the half wall on a power play in the NHL. I am, I am Ovechkin. <laughs> yeah, like, they, they, there was a couple big stand blasts that were being set up there. Like, three or four minutes left in a, in a closed game, and he's like, oh, my gosh. I'm on the half wall. I, I think I, I made it, Ma. I finally made it. Um, now this one, I, I I'm intrigued to to get your sense, and and you know, I, it, it's just an interesting conversation around this. And and let us know what you think too. At Twitter, uh, at Brandon underscore Rowicki, at Tyson Rowicki, at Skates Blades Pod. The good and bad of Pierre Luc Dubois came out in this game. And there was a lot. There was a lot more good than there was bad. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he makes uh, the nice little dangle on Mackenzie Weger there to set up the game-winning goal. I mean, he was he was in in the thick of everything all night long. Like he was just a force 
it was difficult not to record to, to notice him when he was out there on the eye. He was just all over the place. And that that's great. And that's that that's when I think PLD is at his most effective. The the, the drawback of that though is oh he's there's just no discipline, right? Like he's like he's I it's one of those things, right? Like the, you you want him to be engaged and physical. And obviously you don't want the penalties, but like, is that just part of the package where you're like, uh, I guess we'll take a couple crappy ones. If we get a player that impactful and, and forceful and physical out there, I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, look, he, he needs more composure. There's, there's no doubt about that. I think that's an underrated part of any athlete's game is the ability to keep your composure. You know, look, Uyghur should have got a couple penalties. Like Dubois was unfortunate to get the only one um, on that that initial call that I'm talking about. But guess what? Too bad. <laughs> like, yeah. right? Like, he didn't get one, and you could see him snap as soon as he got that second cross check. That's where he's got to reel it in, right? Like, reel it in at that point and don't take stupid penalties. But that's the fine line where, you know, if he doesn't go back at him, does he just kind of float around for the rest of the game? That that sort of a thing. But, you know, wa- watching Dubois and, and how good he was in this game, Tice, well, what do you think? Are you okay with like a couple bad ones if, well, if, he's, if he's given it the rest of the night? To me, though, it doesn't have to be both. Like you don't have to play on the edge and then take undisciplined penalties. You can play on the edge and still play within the confines of the rules. And you see a guy like Nazem Kadri too. Just when he was with the Leafs and he would get into the playoffs and he would just unravel and unravel and make and then take stupid hits and take himself out of the series and really hurt his team. Goes to Colorado. Besides the Bennington incident, where that's a little, that's that, a little... <laughs> you have to admit that is funny. That that your example of him keeping his composure involves him injuring the starting goalie for a series. It wasn't his fault, but it is funny. But he stayed in the lineup, right? Yeah. That's I mean, that's up to player the, the Department of Player Safety. Yeah. But he, he didn't know he didn't do anything wrong. It was just funny. But but you could see how. If a guy's able to rein it in like that, I mean, Nazem Kadri was as important to, as anyone was really to that Colorado team last year. I mean, he's in at least in the top three. And I think that Dubois can provide an impact like Kadri did in the playoffs. But when you're taking penalties, those penalties are going to come back to bite you in the playoffs. And I think, I mean, we talked about it a lot earlier in the year too when Dubois was kind of struggling to get on the board. And that was, that was a really big deterrent in his game is that when you're not engaged and you're not playing drawing on that line and you're kind of just floating around like you need to it's just I, I, to me it's a consistency thing and that we've seen Dubois go on these long stretches where it's like wow he he really is one of the top power forward centers play driving centers in the league and then other times where you're like hey like, where are you <laughs> you know yeah. so it's just I, I I like when Dubois is engaged like this and you can see that he does have that drive it's just just bring it, just bring it in a little bit. You know, you don't have to get your, you don't have to get back at the guy every single shift, right? There, you yeah, or like you don't have to get back at him that exact moment, right? Right, like right. save it, save it for like pick your spot, and even look. For example, let's just say this game ended. It was it was a two or a three goal game, right? Like some one of the teams is up by three late in the game. If you want to take a run at Uyghur at that point, rack yeah. up penalty minutes there, right? Like that that that's the sort of like be. Be selectively uncomposed, I guess, is maybe maybe what we're looking for there. Um, but but there's no doubt about it. He was great. And I, I do like the Kadri comparison, right, where 
literally cost Toronto like at least one playoff series. And he's able to keep it reined in and his head on straight. And he's one of the key contributors to a Stanley Cup run. So so that that that's that that would be something that I think would be great to kind of drill into PLD's head is you know, you saw Kadri out there in the game against the Jets, and he was really good too. Uh, and of course, he takes a boarding penalty in the game, <laughs> but but that would be that would be a, a, a perfect sort of path to fall. Like like choose your own adventure, like be Colorado Kadri, don't be Toronto Kadri, and, and and things are going to be just fine. Um, one other thing I do want to mention quickly here, just because I want to switch gears. Kind of surprised, but Philly Hanela picked up his first point of the year. I, I just kind of assumed he had a point already. Uh, he isn't. I mean, he's only that was his eighth game. His eighth game this season, but um, I mean, one good for him. Like that, that's going to be a huge, huge confidence boost. And again, Nate Schmidt coming back in, Capabianco, Hanela, Sandberg. Who comes in? Who comes out? That's another discussion that needs to be had there. Um, but it does seem like his game is kind of slowly trending in the right direction. I, I don't think he's been a game breaker or anything like that, Tice. Uh, but he made a nice play on the goal. Like that, that, that was kind of, it was kind of a sneaky, skillful play where he's able to, you know what, one time a pretty hard pass from Sandberg, but not blast it 110 miles an hour and it's up off the glass, right? It's just, you know, like puck gets off my stick quick in and around that, you know, knee to, to, to stomach area, the perfect spot for a forward to get a deflection and the Jets pick up a win because of it. Yeah, and I think he, I think Villy's slowly starting to get used to the tempo of the NHL. He's starting to make more plays with the puck, where it's a more composed, a more thoughtful play instead of just, oh, I got to get the puck out, I got to get the puck out, get the puck in deep. I go, I can't make a mistake, and so it's it's good to see some positive strides in Villy's game, and I hope he, hopefully, he keeps it up. Yes, yes, indeed. Let's hope so, he does. Before, sorry, before we move on, I just wanted to say one thing from this game. What's happened to Jonathan Huberto? Oh man, I, I was thinking the same thing too. It's I I I don't even know what to say. It's like you were hoping for the Johnny Goudreau replacement, and he's just been just vanilla, just as vanilla as you can yeah. be. That was I was wondering. I was like, like I mean, Calgary's tough, but something's not right. There's just they're missing that electric component, and. And he just he looks like a dude that has no confidence right now. And and look, we we here in Winnipeg saw it with PLD where everything went wrong for him when he got here in Winnipeg. And it was like, oh my goodness. Both him and Line sucked the first <laughs> year after that. Like, so I think people do forget, you know, Kachuk's having a great year out in Florida. It's probably easier to go from Calgary to Florida, though. Um, but it it it's a massive change for a player and their and their life to be thrown upside down. And it just doesn't always go smoothly sometimes. And I think that's the issue here with Huberto and, and, and the Flames. But I am with you, man. He just looked rough out there. And I, I don't know if he's going to get it back this season. And it, it, If he doesn't, the Flames aren't going to be going deep at all in the postseason, which is a shame, right? Because, you know, I, I they're, they're pretty good down the middle, right? Like, I mean, Lindholm's doing his thing. Love Kadri's game. And then Backlund as a third-line center. That's a pretty good one, two, three punch. But, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Wasn't Huberto's best night, but he's had a lot of those nights. Too many nights of those for the Calgary Flames this season. Oh well, too bad. Have fun, <laughs> Calgary. Um, but speaking of trades, could the Winnipeg Jets maybe 
find their Matthew Kachuk instead of their Jonathan Huberto. We'll get to that in just a second here. Uh, but before we do that, quickly, let's give a shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, who continue, even though the calendar has flipped, to give you big-time opportunities to make big-time bucks this NHL season where you can bet five pregame money line dollars on any team to win their game and get one fifty and free bets if they pull off the W. You can also turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays, combining multiple bets together, like which team will win, the Buffalo Sabres, how many goals will Tate Thompson score, three, and even more for your shot at even bigger payout with DK. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. Another hattie for for Tage Thompson, by the way, for those wondering. Um, I believe on pace for 92 goals so far this season, so... (laughs) Thompson McDavid, excited to see. Speaking of that, by the way, holy crap, teams are not tanking hard enough <laughs> after what we saw against Slovakia. And really in Halifax this whole this whole past couple of weeks. But Dart is just Oh my insane. gosh. It's ridiculous. Insane. I remember McDavid playing in the World Juniors, and that that Canada team was way too good. They they steamrolled everybody. And he was great that tournament, but nothing like this. Like, this is, oy, oy, oy. Carter Hart's going to cost the Flyers a chance at relevancy. <laughs> Who would have guessed a goaltender would be too good for the Flyers? Yeah, that's 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 too bad. I, I can understand some of these teams um, shipping guys out sometime soon here. And it'll be interesting to see for the trade bait board, which is my half-hearted attempt at a segue here, to see if maybe we see some action. Um, in terms of trades, well before the deadline, because look, it's great for the acquiring team to have somebody acclimated with a new club. But I, I wonder how many of these teams are like, let's try to ship out as many of these talented guys as we have. That gives us more games to lose and more ping pong balls for us to get a Connor Bedard. So that'll be kind of a fun side plot of the the upcoming trade deadline. But I figured we'd take a look at it. There were a few articles. The Athletic did a trade bait board. And then Frank Saravelli followed with up followed up with one as well. So quickly here before we wrap up the episode, I thought we'd take a look. Maybe not at the whole board necessarily, Tyson. But let's start off with just a, let's call it an overarching wish list for the Winnipeg Jets. Now that we've seen what this team is capable of with players coming back into the lineup sooner than later do you have a number one not not player which we'll get to in just a sec but a number one area of the team that you would like to target and why is it starting goalie <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm definitely looking at maybe uh jack campbell yeah can, can we see campbell out of edmonton <laughs> but it to me it I'm kind of going to cheat a little bit here. It's not a position necessarily, but my target is high-end talent. I think that this team, oh. I think this team should go all in. And I, I think, like, and I totally get the idea that you don't want to break up the chemistry in the room at all. But at the same time, nothing builds chemistry like winning. And if you can get some high-end guys, and I mean, it's not going to look. The, 
the first round pick would be in play. And there's some guys on this list that we're going to get to who are rumored to be getting a first round pick. And I think that that's just not happening with some of the names that are on there. I think it's just food. Like I, th- there needs to be a point where certain guys aren't getting first round picks. These, these middle pair defensemen who are solid D men should not be getting first round picks for me. I've, if, if that's the price for a guy like Gavrikov or Edmondson is a first round pick, I'm okay with moving another prospect and getting the guy like Chikrin. I just, like, I just don't, I don't see the, I, to me, I don't see the benefit of giving up a first round pick for a guy, for a middle defenseman. So I think for me, if you're going to, if you're going that route, totally go that route, go all in. Those are the trades that I think kill teams more than anything else is giving up a first round pick for, a middle lineup player. And the yeah. good news is the Jets have enough middle lineup defensemen that I like. I just don't know why they would go after a Gavrikov or an Edmonds. You know what I mean? Like they, right. they've kind of got those guys already on the back end. I mean, up front, that's a bit more of an interesting debate there to be had. Um, I, I do like that. I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Maybe not all as in, like as all in. But but kind of in that realm, um, there's a few names that we're going to have to get to here because I think we're going to have differing opinions on this. I'm all in on a, on a few guys, but not not everybody here. I think for me, kind of along what you're saying, the, the number one target for me is going to be a number one defenseman. And people might say, oh, well, you always want one to... There's actually two guys available that that fit that bill, so it's it is legitimately possible for the Winnipeg Jets to to go out there and do this. But I just look at this team, and with the season Josh Norrissey is having right now, like he is that that number one defenseman. But if you could add one more to play behind him, like imagine Morrissey, Demello, and then. Mystery defenseman and Nate Schmidt, Brendan Dillon, whoever it is, I don't really care. As your as your second pair there, that you've got a third pair that you can mishmash with a young and an old guy, whatever it is, you can put somebody together there, and then you still have inside the organization two to three NHL ready defenseman options to throw in in case of injury. So, so that that to me, I think would turn the Jets from a really good team into a, a, a an extremely formidable one especially when you take into account that down the middle right now, you feel damn good about Shifley, Dubois, Lowry as, as your top three centermen there. So that's where I'd be focusing the majority of my assets there. And then with basically whatever's left over, try to make a bit of a bargain buy on a guy that can be a third line winger. So somewhere in that room, I think that would be my, my, my perfect wish list for, for a Winnipeg Jets trade deadline where it wouldn't be, foolishly go all in there right and just blow the whole organization up to make a run this year but you're kind of still acquiring some pretty significant pieces here i I would love to see the club go at it that way now some of the names here at the top of the list heist let's get to them uh pretty quickly here we don't have to spend a ton of time on each of them um let's talk forwards first um and and the number one name on every list so far has been bo horvat from the vancouver canucks Tremendous season, upcoming UFA, 27 years old. You mentioned high-end talent. You take it a run at Bo? I'm going to pass on Bo. Yeah, good call. <laughs> yeah. It's just, 
he's having such a good season and kudos to him. That's but going into a contract year, that's it's got bad contract written all over it in five years, five yeah. or six years. And I think well, and that's that's if you sign him, right? Yeah, like but, the chances are it's just a rental. I'm I'm just not paying high end rental prices, even though he's great center, all that. I I'm just not into it there. Um I, I think with Shifley, Dubois, and Lowry there, that that need has been lessened considerably there. So I'm not too interested in, in making a run at Bo Horvat. Um, Patrick Kane, I think we both know too much money. The Jets are okay in terms of skilled winners when everybody's healthy. Um, Timo Meyer, you want to talk about high-end talent there. He is very, very high-end. Um, 26 years old, pending RFA. Any interest there? I mean, I would have a lot of interest in him, but uh, you're going to have to give up a lot of stuff to get Timo Meyer. And but, I mean, man, imagine some of the lines you could come up with those guys. I mean, Meyer and Dubois, Meyer Lowry, Meyer Shifley. It's just Meyer, Meyer Dubois Connor. Yeah, like that's, that's a heavy skilled line. A yeah. very heavy, very skilled line. And I mean, and he's and because Kyle Connor, he does have the goal scoring ability. But Timo Meyer is more of that prototypical power forward sniper kind of player, where he's just he's gonna drive and he's gonna shoot. Like you know what you're, he's not he's not. Kyle Connor is more of a, he can be the setup guy too. But Timo Meyer, you know that what you're getting with Timo, and it's a high high level shot and high level speed. And I, I I love Timo's game. I just think that's too much to give up for. Yeah, I think that's that that's the kind of guy where you're like, you you don't want them to trade for him, but if they do, you're like. Oh, this is kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't, I don't really care anymore. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't think the Jets are going to be in on him. Uh, he's got a ten million dollar qualifying offer next year as an RFA, so that that might scare away a few amount of teams. But um, he, he's going to be on the move. It looks like um, I don't think Winnipeg's going to be the one there. One other forward name I want to mention before going to the blue line. Sentimental, of course. Jonathan Taves coming back home. You feeling that at all? I mean, it would be nice. It'd be a nice story, but for me, that's just even even if you're, even, I mean, the Blackhawks are gonna have to retain fifty percent of that, but you're still looking at five. What is it? Five point two five? I think that's a lot of money, and that's taking up a lot of your cap space. And I like, what do you do with them? Like, it's just kind of is he your fourth line center? Do you move Chifley to the wing? Is it? Uh, to me, it's just that one's like spending too much in one area and you're kind of just it's almost like you're being greedy <laughs> in a way that one's interesting we might have to spend more time on that because i mean sentimentally it's it's hard for a lot of people a lot of jets fans to say no to this one the money makes it difficult but in a way too the money makes it interesting because the jets had so much cap space going into the season a lot of teams aren't going to be able to take that on I don't think it's going to cost the Jets a lot to get them. And that's where it's like, huh, interesting. I mean, if you're talking about a rental and hey, maybe you get another team to retain half of that too. And then you're, you know, you get a quarter of it or whatever it is. But I, that, that the reason Taves intrigues me is because I don't think the return's going to be all that much just because of the difficulties of moving him. And, and, and so I, I would kick the tires on, on Jonathan Taves and that, I mean, look, He's shown he can play this year, and if you can kick him out to the wing or if Shifley goes to the wing, the dude knows how to play in the playoffs. 
right? And like to have, say, Tave Shifley Ehlers on one line, Dubois Connor, something. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not going to say no right away, uh, but I'm, I'm kind of with you in the sense of like, if it stops me from getting somebody else, then I'm going to move, move past Taves for sure. Yeah. I mean, and, but, and to your point too, the Jets probably have as good of a chance of re-signing him as most teams do, to be honest. That's yeah. 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 I mean, if you want to get a head start on that, maybe, maybe that's the move they do make there. Um, but we'll see that that remains to be, there's a lot of moving parts there too. He, I mean, he might not even want to get traded. <laughs> I just want to stay in Chicago. Right. So we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, but I know a lot of people are going to have strong feelings about Taves coming back to Winnipeg for sure. Now the defenseman Tyson. Um, I mean, you mentioned Gavrikov, Edmondson. I think we're both in, in in agreement there that just not the right fit for what the Jets are looking for. The one thing I'll say about all these guys on the list, and no offense, so I can say what I want. Um, you're an NHL player, all that. Just stay far away from John Klingberg, please. <laughs> it's just I, I do not like his game, and it's going to cost. I, I just yes, please stay away from John Klingberg. Um, but I think the big one, and it's been the big one for a while, Jacob Chikrin. And I'm just going to get ahead of you here first, Tyson. The Jets should be all over this. I've been saying this for over a year now. I said this going into the season. This is kind of their last chance at this. You have the opportunity to get a top defenseman. Young, cost-controlled, cheap, big, physical, does it all. And I don't think the cost is all that crazy still, right? Like, And, and you're getting two more years of him after this season to have a one-two punch of Morrissey and Chikrin on this club and to have the defensive whisperer guru himself, Rick Bonus, spend some time with Jacob Chikrin on top of that. To me, this is the home run swing for the Jets here. And I like it even more because you're not doing this for a rental. It's a guy that's going to stay here with the team. And then hopefully when you go to re-up, you can get a chance to say, you know, like like they have with the Ehlers and Connor and a bunch of these guys, re-sign them and be a part of the face of the fr- of, of the franchise moving forward. And look, even then, if it doesn't work, you trade him. You probably pick up pretty close to the same message you gave up in the first place. I know the ask right now is two first and a prospect. I I wonder, I wonder if Arizona is able to get that from anybody. But I have no problem with this year's first and Vili Hanela being the centerpiece of the package, and then we try to work on what the third and fourth pieces are there. But that's the guy, no doubt about it. Get him out of Arizona. Get him to Winnipeg, and that would be. That would be the move that I think would would just be the absolute cherry on top of this dream season so far. Yeah, I don't have too much to add. I'm I'm with you. I'm all in on Jacob Chikrin. I think he's the number one trade target for the Jets. And I think that like like you said, I mean, if and these are probably going to be late first too. They're not going to be at least the first year. And then hey, you can put a lottery protection if you do end up going that route, or it's a conditional pick, like it's a second round pick if we make the Eastern or Western Conference Finals next year you get a first it's i think it's i think it's the move to make and really like if you make that move you're not really like your organizational depth doesn't take too crazy of a hit there and i think that's the important thing is that you can kind of just swap up swap out hanola for chikrin and then yeah we don't well, have even, a even if it was let's just for example pionk chick pionk hanola in a first round pick as, as the basis of the deal there you're actually saving salary. 
yeah. <laughs> if you're the Jets. And I think it's a pretty big upgrade to go from Pionk to Chikrin on your on your second pair. And the and the dude can play both sides too. Oh man, I just think it's a win. I, I I'm gonna be shocked if they do it. Just it hasn't seemed like they've been interested this this whole time. And I've I've never understood that because it's just an opportunity to buy basically 80 cents on the dollar here. And I think they can pull one on the coyotes, but it's just yeah. been really quiet in general, though, too, with Chikrin. It's just weird that a guy of his caliber has gone so long without being traded yeah. when it's been so in the public eye. It's it's very similar to the to the Matthew Shane deal, yeah. I think, with Colorado, where it's everyone you had to trade him last year. It's like, well, no, we don't. <laughs> we'll, we'll trade him when we want to. So we'll see. He's, he's Armstrong's been holding firm on that on that asking price, but I guess if you're Jets fans and you want this deal to happen. Hope Arizona's really high and really handle and then maybe they can find a way to pull that one off. Uh, the final name before we wrap things up, Tice, my boy. And, and wouldn't this be something? Having maybe one, two in the Norris voting on the same team. Oh. <laughs> but we do know Eric Carlson's name is going to be out there. Do you want to, do you want to bite on that? 10 and a half, 11, whatever the contract's worth per season. I mean, it's like the Timo Meyer. You're like, well, we probably shouldn't get him, but. Oh, we got him. But we got him. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, like that's it's just I and that's gonna be a weird one if he does get traded in season because it's it is fairly rare that we see a guy with that much salad with that big of a cap hit get traded mid season just because of the, the complications of fitting it under the cap. But that's gonna be an interesting trade discussions. Like is he I mean Eric Carlson, if the Sharks are willing to eat that cap hit for that long. It's like, well, if we're getting Eric Carlson for say six million, six and a half. It's like we, we might be, we might have a steal. The the only thing that concerns me are the injury problems. In case, I mean, he's having a great year this year, but we've seen the past couple of years where some injuries really slowed him down and really hampered his play. So that is a bit of a concern for me. But I just Eric Carlson's one of my most favorite players to watch. That Ottawa series where he led the or it's that playoff run where he took him to the Eastern Conference Finals is one of the most dominant stretches of hockey i think i've seen from anyone in a long time just imagine him saucing a head high pass to nikolai ehlers on the tape <laughs> one hander on the breakaway to send the jets into the conference finals you cannot you cannot convince me it's it's not a, a good idea for the jets. <laughs> I, I don't care i i that's the one guy i just i refuse to see logic on so you're not going to be able to convince me the jets shouldn't do it i'm all in Tickard might make a little more sense, but if it's Eric Carlson, I'll I'll, I'll take that as a pretty damn good consolation prize there. Uh, but man, there's still a lot of time before that, but there's also not that much time here, and um, it's going to be fascinating to see. Chevy has kept everything close to the vest. He has been beyond patient, waiting for the opportunity. You wonder what it's going to be that might make him strike and strike big at this upcoming trade deadline if the Jets are maybe one or two inside the central division there. Uh, so yeah, it'll be very, very interesting to see how this all plays out in the coming weeks ahead. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode here. We'll wrap it up there and look ahead to, like you mentioned, Tice, an absolute beauty to close out the work week for the Winnipeg Jets. They'll get a few days off, but it'll all be worth it because hopefully Nikolai Ehlers and Nate Schmidt are back in the lineup to take on the back-to-back, I guess the three three-peat Eastern Conference champs, previous two-time Stanley Cup winning Tampa Bay Lightning, 
into town. It's going to be a great atmosphere. It's going to be a great game, and we'll break that one down. The schedule will be a little bit weird for this week, and then we'll get back to normal next week with our normal Tuesday, Friday morning release dates. Um, but we'll break down the Jets lightning game for you guys and have that one out on Saturday morning where you can enjoy a cup of coffee and talk about how Nikolai Ehlers boosted the Jets to a big win over the Bolts. Until then, though, thanks again to CJOB's Tyson Rewicki for stopping by, and thank you for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Like I said, we'll be back at it Saturday morning. Jets, Bolts, breaking it all down for you. Until then, have a great week. Stay safe and have fun, everybody. Peace.